in the sermon two weeks ago, one of the, the stories within that sermon was about how the disciples were beaten for the simple fact that they were talking about Jesus. Not only were they beaten, the Bible says that, that the word used there in the Greek is that they were flayed open. In other words, their skin was peeled from their back. And yet this was less than what the leaders wanted to do. The leaders wanted to kill them, but, but cooler heads, as we said, prevailed. But today we'll see that cooler heads no longer prevailed. And then in last Sabbath sermon, we talked about the changes that the church was willing to make so that the gospel could continue to go forward. And within the midst of that, that story, we're introduced to several new persons within the narrative of the book of Acts, individuals that were specifically chosen to serve the church body, to care for the members of the church body. Our sermon today begins with one of those individuals who was chosen to be a deacon, chosen to, to, to help care for the poor and the widows in the community. Our sermon today begins with one of those men by the name of Stephen being killed. In the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 51. Now, all through the ch chapter 7, Stephen, the deacon, has been preaching. He's been preaching God's word and he's been confronting the the Pharisees in their, in their sinfulness and their rejection of Jesus as their savior. And in chapter seven and verse 51, he says, you stiff necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit as your ancestors did, you do also. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even, even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law under the direction of angels and yet have not kept it. And then when the religious leaders hear this, they just lose their mind. They absolutely lose it. When they heard these things, listen to what the Bible says, verse 54, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Oh, it's made them even more upset. The Bible tells us they yelled at the top of their lungs. They covered their ears and they rushed towards him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses, the Bible says, laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now this young man named Saul is going to play a huge, a huge role in the Bible later and in our sermon series in the book of Acts. In fact, he'll become the main player in the book of Acts in just a few chapters. But this young man named Saul, they laid their, their, their garments at his feet. While they were stoning Stephen, listen to this, while they were stoning Stephen, he called out, and this is amazing, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and he cried with a loud voice. And here he models Jesus. 
Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he died. It's powerful. Stephen was killed because of the anger for telling people the truth and speaking about Jesus. His killing, though, led to the explosion of the gospel. Here's the thing. There's bad things that happen in this world. There's bad things that happen in life. There's bad things that may happen to you and I. But if we are willing to be in tune with Jesus Christ, those bad things can be turned into things that, that cause an explosion of the gospel. Chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Saul agreed with putting him to death. This is that Saul who's going to play a major part later on. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging, what a strong word, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house and drag off women and men and put them in prison. This guy named Saul was ravaging the church, going in and literally just grabbing these people and dragging them out of their homes. And everybody scattered to get away from this persecution in Jerusalem. All except the apostles, the Bible says, were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Let me ask you, would you be willing to go through persecution if it meant the truth of God would grow? Would you be willing to leave your home, not by choice, but by force, if it meant that the word of God would spread more rapidly in this world? Would you be willing to go and die and pray for the forgiveness of your killers if it meant that others then would be more inspired to tell other people about Jesus? That's what happened here. That's what's going on here. Verse 4 says this, so those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. I don't want you to get fooled by the word, that word preaching. This is not talking about everyone that's scattered, put their, their milk carton on the corner and began to preach a sermon in the park. That's, that's not what this is saying. We've translated preaching. There's different words for preaching in the Bible. There's proclaim, there's preaching. This is the word euangelios where we get the word evangelize from, which simply means to spread the good news. So in other words, we could translate it like this. Those who were scattered went on their way evangelizing through the word. Evangelizing through the word. They were spreading the good news that they knew from scripture. The persecution led to the people going out on their own into various cities around Judea and Samaria and converting people to faith in Jesus. These people were carpenters. They were weavers. They were bakers. They were shepherds. They were bankers and probably more. They weren't preachers. The preachers stayed in Jerusalem, the apostles. Tim Keller wrote the following. The church is not supposed to be a body of people with a small number of providers. By providers, that would be someone like me, a, a minister. So the church, he says, is not supposed to be a body of people with a small number of providers or ministers. 
and everybody else coming in to be customers. God used the persecution to turn the church into an entire community of providers. So absolutely everybody was on mission. Everybody was evangelizing. Everybody was embodying the gospel, sharing the gospel, teaching the gospel. And I love the way he says this, gossiping the gospel. How many times have you talked to someone this week about someone else, about some other problem? How many times have you gossiped in some way? I've gossiped in some way this week. It's not a good thing. It's a sin. All of us, when we do that, we're sinning. How many of us have gossiped about the gospel? Just randomly had conversations with people about the gospel. That's what's happening here. They're gossiping about the gospel from person to person to person. It went from a few ministers, the apostles, to to a whole slew of providers, the entire church, providers of the gospel. David David Peterson said in his commentary on Acts, persecution leads to gospel growth, not because a mission plan is approved and put into action by the leaders of the church, but because ordinary believers take the opportunities given to them to preach the apostolic message wherever they go. Persecution leads the people to go out, not because there's some plan, not because there's some group that organized it, but just they go. I don't want it to take, I don't want it to take persecution to get us to move out into the world, although maybe this last year has been a bit of that. We've had to get creative, unique in the way we approach things. But I don't want it to take a persecution of this level for us to be willing to go. Do you? Do you? Is that what you want? I'd much rather that we just choose on our own to say, Jesus, you are so awesome. You are everything. I want to go out for you. I want to scatter and and spread and gossip about the gospel. The Adventist Church likes to refer to itself as a movement. But it is not a movement if we're waiting for an initiative from the top for us to go out for God. It is not a movement if the only time we go is when there's an appeal from the pastor for us to go. It's not a movement if the only time we invite somebody to to some sort of spiritual gathering is because the pastor encouraged us to invite somebody for the spiritual gathering. It's, It's not a movement then. The apostles, they became the stabilizing verifying and unifying element of the church back in Jerusalem. They they played a role. They had an important role. And as we read through the book of Acts, we will see that that they would go out from Jerusalem to, to give guidance, to give assistance, to help resolve issues within the church, to make sure that that people were staying on point as far as doctrine and teaching goes. But the mission moved to new areas and groups without their planning or control. In a bureaucracy, people at the top completely control everything and direct everything. But in a movement where everybody owns the mission, everybody is participating in it. What happens is even though you still need leaders, the apostles were the stabilizing and verifying and unifying aspect of the church, 
Yet, yet there was a spontaneity about the church. The, the church still needed leaders, but the church didn't move based on the leaders. They moved based on the spontaneity and the power of the gospel. They gossiped about the gospel because the Spirit moved them to do so. Now, let's not pick on other parts of the church or other institutions in the church. Just Spencerville. How spontaneous are you to just go out and gossip about the gospel, to talk about Jesus? How spontaneous are you to to grab a group of friends and say, let's go help some widows. Let's go down and feed the homeless. Let's go visit some members that are are, are, are homebound. Let's try to win back some of our inactive friends. Let's stand out in our front yard and talk to our neighbors. How how impulsively and spontaneously do you do these things for the sake of the gospel? Or do you tend to only gossip about the gospel when the church says, here is our initiative, or here is where we need your help, or now it's time to do this? We talked about small groups this week. If you're in a small group, maybe in your small group this week, talk about how you can be spontaneous as a group without setup from the church, without help from the church, just, just being spontaneous to go out and be gossips about the gospel. Well, it's spontaneity, spontaneity that leads to the next part of our story. So those who were scattered went out on their way preaching the word. Philip went down to a city in Samaria. Philip is one of the deacons, by the way, one of the men that was chosen to to serve and care for those in the church, but but now he's had to scatter. And the Bible says the place that he goes is Samaria, and we'll come back to this. This is significant. And he proclaimed there to them the Messiah. The apostles didn't send Philip to Samaria. He went. It was spontaneous. God used the persecution to turn the church into a movement. It had gotten stagnant in the DMV, or rather, sorry, in Jerusalem. But now everybody is going. Everybody's witnessing, self-initiating their witness. And Philip, by his own initiative, heads to a city, a city in Samaria. And here is where I want us to spend the rest of our sermon, looking at Philip's example of what being a spontaneous person on mission looks like. My prayer is this. I hope even in just these few words that, that maybe you've had that 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 tickle of the Holy Spirit inside of you that, that's, that's convicting you. You know, you need to be out more. You need to, on your own initiative, go out and be the church. Gossip about the gospel. Serve others. Do these things. But, but here is what that looks like, I believe. I believe we have some examples of what that looks like from Philip's life. So some practical things, three practical things I want you to think about as you're going out as a spontaneous missionary for Jesus. Verse five, the Bible says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. He talked about Jesus. Y'all, please do not shy away from telling people about Jesus. He's nothing to be embarrassed of. Yes, he can be offensive because people don't want to hear him, but, but, but he in himself is not offensive. 
Jesus is, is a life changer. Don't be embarrassed about giving Jesus credit in everything that you do. We need to learn this, this book here. And when we have learned it, we need, to, we need to see how it all ties to Jesus and share that with others. Now, you don't have to be a doctrinal scholar. Share what you know from this book about Jesus. Do you know this verse? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What does that verse mean to you? Are you part of the whosoever believes in him? Are you, are you appreciative of the, the love that God has? The sacrifice of Jesus? You know that verse. Just start there. Talk about that verse. Talk about that with people. Man, I don't know how you're a Christian. Man, I just got to tell you, I don't know how I'm not a Christian. But Jesus just loves me so much. He died for me. Man, he just fills my life with joy. Philip, the first thing he does is he goes out and he starts talking about Jesus. He talks about Jesus. That is the story of the Bible. When I accepted Jesus back in 1996, I picked up my Bible and began to read. And I couldn't believe what the Bible was telling me. I mean, I was raised in a Christian home, but, but, but for the first time I was really reading the Bible and I would, I would go to my new Christian friends and I'd say, did you know Jesus did this? And I'd read something else and I'd say, did, did you know Jesus said that? Did you know Jesus feels this way about us? And they'd say, yeah, yeah, we, we got it. In fact, my, uh, my, that year I was, when I accepted Christ, I was taking chemistry. And I would sit there at the lab tables as we do, and, and the, the, the professor, the teacher would be giving a lecture. And I would uh, put my Bible on the, or put my book, my chemistry book on the edge of the desk. And then I would look down and in my lap, I would have my Bible. I got a C plus that quarter because I was so enamored with, with what the Bible was teaching me. Folks, people, the word will, will work for itself. We just have to be willing to share it with others. We got to go out and gossip about the gospel. But, but Philip didn't just share the Bible. He didn't just share the truths of Jesus. Verses six and seven. The Bible says in Acts chapter eight, verses six and seven, the crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw the signs he was performing. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and the lame were healed and the lame were healed. I agree with Keller who says, don't get caught up or distracted by the miraculous aspect of Philip's helping, his serving, his assisting people. That is the way that God worked back then. And, and, and sometimes God still works in those miraculous ways. And, and, and sometimes in other countries, you'll see God work in those ways even more. Maybe it's because they're more open to those miracles than maybe we are. But for us in this sermon, the point of what I want us to understand here is, is that Philip is helping people. 
Jesus has done something in his heart that he's, that he's helping and serving these people. He shares truth and then he helps the people. This, this is all spontaneous evangelizing. He shares about Jesus, but he also helps the people. Last week in the live service, we heard this amazing song sung, If I Can Help Somebody. And the first line of that song is, If I Can Help Somebody As I Pass Along. The, the reason why I like that verse is because it's not saying I'm going just to do this help. No, just as I'm passing along, just as I'm going on my way, just as I'm walking here and there, as I pass along, if I can help somebody, then my life will not be in vain. If I can help somebody for Jesus, then my life will not be in vain. That is spontaneous missionary work. I see someone who needs, to be, needs a friend. I'll be a friend to them. I need someone who needs some food. I'll, I'll help provide the food. I need someone who just needs someone to listen to them. I'll, I'll listen. If we can help somebody as we pass along, see someone on the side of the road that needs a tire changed, I'll, I'll change that tire. We see neighbors who we wave at and, and we smile at, but we never have a conversation with. I'll go have the conversation. That's what we need to do. Y'all, I've had the privilege of baptizing hundreds and hundreds of people in my ministry. I want you to understand this. I've baptized more people. I've baptized more people because someone helped them or was a friend to them than anybody who came, than I baptized because of just hearing a truth. I'm not against evangelistic meetings. I'm just saying the paid evangelist is no more an evangelist than you. The paid evangelist may know how to make the call and get someone to come to the front, but, but folks, most of those people that come to the front are there. And most of the people that do come to the front come there because someone has helped them and loved them and served them and been a friend to them. Spontaneous evangelism. If we're a movement, then we're all evangelists. We're all out gossiping about Jesus. We're all spontaneously taking the initiative upon ourselves to share Jesus with others. And then there's a third element of this evangelizing. And this may surprise you. It surprised me until as I was going through my reading, I saw it there in my reading. I realized, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Spontaneous evangelizing in includes crossing the divides that exist in our culture. Spontaneous evangelizing includes crossing the, the political divide. I'm not only gonna go and try to win these people, I'm gonna try to win these people who are much different than me as well. Spontaneous evangelizing includes crossing the, the, the sexuality divide. I'm a heterosexual male. I believe that, that, that God made marriage between one man and one woman. And that is still his binding guide for marriage. But, but I need to do a better job of saying Jesus loves these people just as much as he loves me. These, these folk that are different than me, these folks that have different attractions than me, he loves them just as much as he loves me. I need to spontaneously cross the racial divide. 
go into homes and neighborhoods that maybe I've never been in before. We see that right here in the story of Philip. You might not see it. This is the third practical element. First of all, talk about Jesus, talk about Jesus, talk about Jesus. Secondly, help people, help people, help people. And third, go to where you normally would not go. And you may say, That's, how is that? Where is that? That's in there. Folks, Philip went down, the Bible says, to a city in Samaria. A city in Samaria. The Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. Jews considered themselves far superior to Samaritans. Yet there was Philip spontaneously. He was scattered. And where did he choose to go? He went to, chose to go to Samaritan. Samaria, not because the apostles sent him there, not because, well, we're all going to go to the worst part of the city today because that's what the church plan is to do. No, no, he just went there on his own choice. He went as a Jew that was raised to hate the people in Samaria. He went to a people different than him, unlike him. This is not the evangelism strategy that we've taught enough. We, we tend to reach out only to our kind, which is a bit of marketing 101. Select your target audience, your niche, and stick with them. Don't market to people you don't understand. Don't, don't market that which you don't understand. But rather, market to people like you. Our default mode is to be just like the world told us to be, to go after people like us. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong. If you have natural connections, use those natural connections. Hang out with people like you. That's, that's fine. There's, use those natural connections. But, but spontaneous missionaries for Jesus want to personally help and share Jesus with those different than them as well, with those most unlike them as well. Yes, they want to share with people like them, but, but they don't think in those terms. They don't think this person's like me so I can share with them. That person's not like me, so I'll let someone else share with them. No, they say, I'm going to go to them and them is everybody. I'm going to go to them who is everybody and share with them about Jesus. I'm going to go to them and help everybody in the name of Jesus. I'm going to go to them because Jesus died for all of them and all of us. This is the picture of the spontaneous gospel, the spontaneous missionary going out and gossiping about the gospel. Philip, he went out. He was scattered because of persecution. Immediately, he starts talking about Jesus. Let me tell you about my friend Jesus. Let me give credit to Jesus. Let me give praise to Jesus. He starts helping people. Oh, that brother has a need. That person's sick. That person needs some food. And the third practical aspect, he does it for everybody. He, he, he does this in the most unlikely of places. And folks, you don't have to go overseas, although you can, but you don't have to go overseas to get to those places that are different than us. You and I both know that. You and I both know that. And then if you follow Philip's example, you go and you talk about Jesus. You help people in the name of Jesus. You see everybody as someone that Jesus loves. 
and that someone that Jesus can use you to reach. If, if you do this, let me tell you what happens. And this is, this is so awesome. Remember, we started with death and suffering and persecution and prison and fleeing from homes. That's, that's how this chapter begins. Stephen is stoned to death. People are gnashing their teeth at him. They're angry. Saul comes in, and he's dragging people out of their homes and he's putting them in prison and he's killing them, beating more people. That's how this story begins and everybody's scattering all around. And listen, listen to how it ends. Verse eight, so there was great joy in the city. Wow. <laughs> wow. We start with death, we end with joy. Folks, that is what it means. That is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Wherever you start, you may be in the worst of times right now, but if you start with Jesus, trust me, you can end in joy. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. We start in trouble, but we can end in joy. And when you go out as a spontaneous missionary for Jesus, when you go out gossiping about the gospel for Jesus, you, and by the way, the city around you, end up in joy. The leaving, the going, and even the process may be painful. But at the end of it all is joy, pure joy. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to be spontaneous missionaries for the gospel. Help us to gossip about the gospel. Help us Help us to follow the example of disciples, not because we've been persecuted. Lord, if, if that's what you need to do, if, if persecution needs to come to scatter us, then, then I say allow it. But, but, but Lord, help us just because we love you to have the motivation to go, to be missionaries for you. Not because a pastor said, I'm saying it right now, but Lord, not because a pastor said or because a pastor set up a program or because a, a denomination has set up a program. Lord, help us to just go because that person right there walking down the street, Jesus, you love them and you died for them. That, that, that homeless man that looks a little off, maybe, I'm a little nervous about being around, that, that man you love and you, you died for him. The, the lady that picks up my mail she smiles. She says hi to me. Man, Jesus, you, you love that lady and you died for her. That, that patient that I have in the hospital that just seems so cantankerous. Oh man, Jesus, you loved, you loved him and you died for him. The, that person who has a lifestyle that I don't understand has attractions that... that, that that I find are sinful. Lord, you love that person. You died for them. Help me to go. Help us to go, Jesus. Spontaneously. And always talk about Jesus. To help in the name of Jesus. And to see all of them and all of us as people loved and in need of your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.